be seated. And today let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, where we'll start where we left off last Sunday morning, um, Luke chapter number 2, and the announcement had just been made um, to the shepherds, and it would included that statement, a, uh, there Bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's kind of the theme of our message for this morning, this to all people. And so let's go down to verse 15. We'll read down through verse 20, and then pray, and then get into the message for this morning. All right? And it came to pass, as the angels were drawn away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that we can gather together today in freedom and in peace. We're thankful that we can have our Bibles open. We ask that blessing on our time in the Word today. We pray especially for the help of the Holy Spirit. Help us to glorify Thee, our Father, and exalt Jesus Christ, and to be obedient, and to rightly divide the Word of Truth. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And so the message there the angels gave to the shepherds was a message that that a Savior had been born, Christ the Lord, in verse 11. In verse 12, there was the sign, there was how they were supposed to know that it was the child. And then, of course, we have that multitude of the heavenly host, and it may well have been every angel in heaven may have joined in. We mentioned last week the word multitude there means fullness. And so at any rate, they praised God, they gave God the glory, and then they mentioned about what God was doing to men, offering peace and goodwill, that is, the grace of God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And also we mentioned that the angel, as he, as he, uh, as he gave the message to the shepherds, he certainly anticipated that they would follow, they'd go, and so in verse number 15 we begin that uh, today, this morning, and we're going to talk about the first witnesses of the Savior. All right. The message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is intended to be proclaimed to every person everywhere. And God's way of doing that is through his people. If you are saved, think for a moment of how you came to trust in Christ as your Savior. Just think about that for a moment. When you were saved, how were you saved? Well, you say, well, I trusted in Christ. I realized I was a sinner, and I asked him to be my Savior. And that's great. But how did you do that? How did you get to that point? Most likely, some other Christian took the scriptures and showed you 
how to be saved. Now, some of us, like myself, I was saved at an evening service in Springville Baptist Church. I heard the gospel. The pastor gave the invitation, and another young person and I walked down the aisle. The pastor took us into a side room, and he opened the word and told us that we needed to be saved and how we could be saved. And we both prayed and trusted Christ as our Savior. But at any rate, it was through another witness. Now, sometimes a person will get saved through a tract, or sometimes I knew one person one time who got saved simply by reading the Bible. They picked up the Bible, they began to read. The person was a Catholic. They happened to read in Matthew where Jesus said, Call no man your father. He said, oh, I shouldn't be calling the priest father. And he read further, and God led him in the scriptures, and he was saved. But the point is that there are witnesses. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, How shall they hear without a preacher? That is, how shall they hear without somebody to tell them? So we're going to talk about today, there are three groups or individuals who told what they heard. And uh, being a witness for Christ is simply this, telling what you've heard, telling what you know. And I, the devil tries to make us think that we don't know enough, all right? I've had people tell me, I don't know enough. Well, if you know how you were saved, you know enough to tell people about the Lord. We're going to look at three people today. They had no training except they were students of the scripture, which is all you need, they simply told what they knew. All right, let's look at it. First of all, the shepherds, they went, verse 15, and it came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to unto us. Now the shepherds realized the message was from God. It was pretty impressive. The angels, but they realized that it wasn't the angels' word, it was God's word. And let's, that's the thing we need to understand, people need to understand, that when we tell people about Christ, it's not us telling them, it's God through us, all right? Verse 16, they came with haste. They went immediately and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So they found just what the angel said, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And so from that day on, from that night on, they went there that very night, um, they continued to tell about the birth of this child. They made known abroad. Verse 18 says, And all they that heard it wondered. In other words, they marveled. They were amazed at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So Mary was taking these things, storing them up in her heart and mind, and thinking about all the things that were going on and all the things surrounding the birth of her son. And the shepherds returned, verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I guess we should say the, the first witnesses were the angels. Right, we don't want to leave them out. They're the ones who got things started. They're the ones who brought the, the news to earth. But they entrusted it to people. They trust, entrusted it to the shepherds, first of all. And you never read in Scripture of angels giving the gospel. Um, although God could have used them. They probably would. And I'm, I'm saying this uh, honestly, that they could, have, they could do a much better job. But God has entrusted it to his people. We must tell them. 
you must tell them, I must tell them about the Lord. So number one, the, the shepherds, all right? Shepherds gave witness to the birth of the good shepherd. All right? Now, verse 21 through 24, and then 39 and 40, talk about Jesus being presented to the Lord, to, the, to God, and we're going to make a separate message out of that. We're going to come back to that, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday morning. But now, let's take a look at the second witness that the scripture talks about, a man called Simeon. Now, it says in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. All right, here's another example. Here's another individual. He's part of the remnant. He's part of the faithful ones during this dark time. Notice it describes him as being in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that he was just. That means he was righteous. He was walking in the commandments of God. He was obedient to the word of God. And it says he was devout, which means he was holy. It means he was dedicated to the Lord. In, those, in that day, one of the few. Now another thing about him, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he's waiting for the Messiah. He, he knew the scriptures. He knew the promise of God. He's waiting for God to fulfill that promise. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now that might seem like a very simple statement, and yet it was very unique in those days. Um, this was before Pentecost. This was before the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and permanently indwelled them. This is still really under the Old Testament economy. And so the Spirit of God would come upon somebody and the Spirit of God could leave somebody. Um, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, departed from Saul. The Holy Spirit came upon Balaam and forced him to tell the truth and then the Spirit left him. Um, a couple people, Joseph, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. David was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's, but there's very few men in the Old Testament who it's, of whom it says they were filled or the Spirit of God dwelt in them. Even David, man after God's own heart, prayed at one point, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, we don't have to pray that way because the Spirit of God, he, we are sealed until the day of redemption, until the Lord returns. All right? But so in this day, uh, Simeon was one of those rare individuals who was the Holy Ghost was upon him, dwelling with him. All right? And because of that, God had made a special promise to Simeon. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Alright, so he comes to the temple, and the timing is this. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus in when he was eight days old to officially present him to the Lord, which was according to the commandment. And we'll look at that in a lot more detail next week, because that's very, very important. It was an important point in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he comes into the temple at the same time that Joseph and Mary are bringing in Jesus. Notice verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said. So Simeon had not only had the privilege and opportunity to see the Christ, but he got to hold the baby Jesus. And he blessed God. In other words, he praised God, exalted God, and then he made a proclamation. First of all, he personally noticed, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. So Simeon says, I'm ready to go. Now, you know, not only does he say, I'm ready to go, he says, let me go, all right? Obviously, he was an old man, and he lived for many years, and God said, you know what, Simeon, because you're such a faithful man, and because you're, you're just so dedicated, and you're waiting for the promise, and you're so devoted in these days of apostasy and darkness and idolatry and all that, he said, I'm going to give you the privilege of seeing with your own eyes the Christ. And he did. And so he says, I'm ready to go, let me go, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, verse 30, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. So his, so Simeon um, echoes, repeats the words of the angel that this, these tidings are for all people. This is a savior for the world. All right, and so he mentions that, and he says that um, all people, all people, before the face of, in other words, this is to be publicly and boldly and fearlessly and clearly proclaimed to all people. One of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples was, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is to all of creation. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and so on. That's the that is the will of God for the message of salvation. So a light to lighten the Gentiles, to illuminate them, to bring them to the truth." Of God and to show that yes indeed God did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life you know then the Bible, then he goes into a prophetic message and he says this um, verse 33 first of all and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And so here again, the Bible makes it very clear that Joseph is not Jesus' father. And he calls Joseph and Mary parents in verse 27 because they were the guardians of the Lord Jesus. Now Mary was the mother, Joseph is not the father. And I've done a little checking, and I think the King James Version is the only English translation that says Joseph. All the rest say his father. And that's not right. It's not his father and his mother, it's Joseph. And his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that they were still learning. Um, this news or th this child is going to take a lifetime for Mary to understand who this child is. In fact, I don't think really until after he rose from the grave that Mary really understood the fullness of what God had done. 
right? He was among those that went to the tomb to anoint his body. Again, not understanding that he would ri- that he would rise from the grave. Now, I want you to notice here is the message, verse thirty-four. And Simon Bar Simeon blessed them. That is the three, and said unto Mary's mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Set means to be placed. In other words, he's appointed, he's ordained. Notice, for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. So let's skip the parentheses and go to the end of verse 35, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. All right, now there are people that I've met, and they say, when it comes to him, or when it comes to her, there's no middle ground. You either hate him or love him. Our former president, Mr. Trump, would fall into that category. I don't think there's too many people neutral. I don't think there's ever been anybody in my lifetime that was so polarizing, all right? But anyway, that's true of Jesus. Notice Simeon said, he's going to be set or ordained or appointed for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. So there are going to be those who are, who are going to fall because of his ministry. There are those that are going to rise again. Those who fall are those who reject him. Those who rise again are those who receive him. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you take a pen and underline or take a tablet and write down every time you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when someone blasphemes or mocks or falsely accuses the Lord Jesus Christ, they called him a Samaritan, they called him a devil, they called him born of fornication, they they called him all kinds of things, they called him a sinner. They called him a deceiver. And so Simeon says, this is how it's going to be. In fact, Jesus himself said, think not that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. All right, And there's division, and there's always been, and there is today. Families divided over the issue of Christ, whether to receive him or not. And so a sign, a, a, a sign. The word sign here means a, a, something miraculous, supernatural, amazing, amazing to me. Again, God in heaven visited the earth. You think the earth would have just fallen before him. But the Bible says he came into his own. His own received him not. They spoke against him. And so much so that Jesus told his, he warned his disciples that those who kill you will think they're doing God's service. And so, his own, he came into his own, that is his own people. And they basically rejected him. A sign which which shall be spoken against, and then again, the end of verse 35, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I'll tell you what, again, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the thoughts of many hearts. You see the thoughts of the blasphemers and the railers and the mockers. And then thankfully you see the thoughts of the repentant and those who came and bowed before him and begged for salvation. Even on the cross, Jesus was still saving souls. I mean, literally. 
the thief, Lord, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom, Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So there's a heart. And of course the other thief revealed his heart too, right? If thou be the Son of God, save thyself and us. So there's a sign spoken against. And then let's go to the parentheses there in verse 35. This is, this is Simeon. And he's giving an aside to Mary. He's saying to her, yes, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. So Mary was going to have a life of, of agony over her son. When she finally came to realize who he was, and she was one of the few who was there at the cross. And, um, and obviously she would hear the taunts and the insults. And she herself would be reviled, accused of being a fornicator, an adulteress, and that the child was born illegitimately, all these things. Mary would bear this throughout her whole life. And yet, she's one of the few who never deserted her son. And at some point, Mary herself came to know Christ as Savior. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, a few verses on from where we left off this morning, she is among those praying. Well, there's a third witness, and this is also precious. In verse 36, Anna. Luke 2, 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess. In other words, a female teacher of the word of God, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher or Asher. So she's one of the supposedly lost ten tribes. Ten lost tribes. There's, some, there's others mentioned in the New Testament. But at any rate, notice what was with her. Uh, she was of great age, so she was, a, she was one of the faithful remnant too. Not only was she a student of the word of God, she was a teacher of the word of God in the proper sense. She was of great age, the Bible says, and she had, she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she had been married seven years, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. So she was, had been widowed for 84 years. So 84 plus 7 is 91. Typically, girls got married those days around 14, 15 years old. So if that's the case, she would have been about 105 or 106 years old during that time. But notice, let's notice what she was. Let's just take, just notice in verse 37, notice her, her person. Notice her life, her practice. It says this, she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now that's fascinating. It means at least that statement that she departed not from the temple expresses at least, at the minimum, that she was there whenever the doors were open. Morning, noon, night. Now there's a couple times Eli and uh, 
Samuel. Samuel stayed in the temple, so I'm not ignoring the possibility that she may have lived there. But it's most likely anyway that she was there every time. She was the first one in the morning and the last one at night. All the time, all the time. Served God with fastings and prayers. Night and day. And I'll tell you something. Do we ever need people like that today? And you know what? I've read books and things over the years. I've found that widow ladies, they're the prayer warriors of almost every church and every age. And you know, we don't have to be. I mean, you can be a prayer warrior too. We need them. But there just seems something about dear widow ladies. You know why? Because they learn to trust God. Because this dear lady, it doesn't say that she had anybody else to take care of her, and she didn't care about that. All she cared about was being in the house of God every time the doors were open. I'm talking about seven days a week she was there because there was stuff going on every day. There were prayers and there and so on. The temple was open every day of the year. And so notice it says she served. Served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And now there's, there, by the way, is the biblical concept of fasting. First of all, Jesus said that when we fast, he didn't say if. He says, when you fast, anoint your face and so on, don't appear to men to fast. I, I can't, it just kind of blows my mind, these people that announce they're fasting. That's not right. The Bible said nobody else is supposed to know. But so here's the idea. What did she fast? Did she fast because she thought she'd get special favors from God? No, the idea here is that she, she vowed she gave up eating in order to spend that time with the Lord in the temple. Have you ever done that? You're doing something for God, maybe you're witnessing to people or whatever you're doing, you're praying, you're studying the Word of God, you're doing something and it's like, oh, I didn't eat today. But it's more than that, obviously. She did this purposely intentionally she might she gave her time to the Lord so fasting in the Bible is almost always not to get something I'll fast and God no it's to just give up the normal routine in order to spend extra time with God now how did God lead this lady it says in verse 38 and she coming in that instant the very same moment when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus, and when Simeon came, now here's Anna. I suppose that Anna and Simeon may have seen each other before. I'm, I'm sure about that. But she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. So what did she, what did the angels do? They glorified God. They praised God. What did the shepherds do? They returned praising, glorifying God. What did Simeon do? He blessed God. What does Anna do? She gave thanks, likewise, unto the Lord. Is there a pattern there? Is there a lesson there? There certainly is. We need to give thanks to the Lord. We need to praise Him, glorify Him. And, and the psalmist made so many comments like that. My, oh, my, my, my mouth shall speak of Him all the day long. And we come here on Sunday mornings. And, and again, I wish I had thought about this. And, and we sometimes did it. But, you know, this is going to be a, daily, a weekly thing, I, I trust. We're going to open every Sunday morning service with items of praise. And so if you have any, let me know. 
And when I get the opportunity to share them yourself. But anyway, praising God. I want to praise God and I want to teach you to praise God like we ought to. So all four of these angels, shepherds, Simeon, Anna, the first thing out of their mouth is thanks to the Lord. And that's not all. Verse 38, and she coming in, she coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So there were those. There was there were, it says all there were there were some. There was a group. There was a remnant who were looking for redemption. They were looking for deliverance. They're looking for salvation. The Bible says she spoke to all of them. She spoke. Now it's interesting that the word spake here is in the imperfect tense in the Greek, which means continuous action. Now he, this is a, this is written in the past. I would guess that by the time Luke wrote Luke, that this dear lady had gone on to be with the Lord. It would be she'd be about 150 years old if she was still alive. And so this is a this word is in the past, saying what she did. But the idea of that word spake is that she continually spoke over and over. The, the idea is of linear action, an ongoing practice. So it wasn't just that day in the temple, just like it wasn't just that night that the shepherds spoke of him. They told everybody. It says they, they went abroad. They made known abroad. So they're all throughout the region. They talked. Now, interesting, I wonder, because when the, when the wise men came about, within about a year and a half, apparently everybody in Jerusalem had forgot, because nobody could tell them where he was. That's a whole other, that's a story for, a uh, subject for another time, which we'll get to. But, in the sense, this is what she's saying. Those, notice, the, the words, and I, I love the word, the word, every word in the Bible is significant. It says that she spake of him to all that looked for redemption, Jerusalem. So in effect, it's this. Are you looking for redemption? Look to him. Look to him. Look to Jesus, like the hymn writer. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded in his word, hallelujah, it is only that you look and live. Look to him. Look to him. So the angels spoke of him. The shepherds spoke of him. Simeon spoke of him. Anna spoke of him. Again, think about the people, the person or persons who led, who helped you, who led you to Christ. Thank God they were faithful witnesses. I think it was the day we moved into Springville. Mrs. Ely saw a mom and some kids, and, she, and, and so she took the opportunity. I think it was the very day. I think we were still taking stuff in the house, and she said, "Hey, um, we we go to church down on the corner. Can I, can you can I can we take your boy to Sunday school?" 
See, that, and, and it's simple. See, the devil wants to complicate. The devil wants you to think you can't do it, you don't know what to say, blah, 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 all the excuses, all the things the devil puts in front of us. You know what? Don't listen. Don't listen. You're, you, you, you can't find any more simple folks than right here. The shepherds, Simeon, Anna. They, they were not great. Anna was a prophetess. That simply meant that she was in the habit of proclaiming um, the word of God. Well, just a couple things as we wrap up this message. In fact, first of all, I think everybody here claims to be saved, but are you looking for redemption? If so, look to Christ. Look to Jesus. Right? And then second, are you speaking of him? praying and looking. Remember, I challenged several months ago now to, to be praying and looking for one person, at least one person, ten would be great, but at least one person that you can witness to, hopefully win to the Lord and bring to church. By the way, that's the biblical way to grow the church. I read an article recently that said most of what's called church growth today is simply rearranging the saints. So they go from one to some go from here to there, some go from there over there. And churches add people, but uh, not through the biblical way. The biblical way is through people being saved. The book of Acts way is out there, pe- reaching out into the community, getting people saved, and then bring them in, bringing them into the church to be taught and trained and to be discipled. And I pray for everybody in this room every day that you'll do that. That you'll find, if you haven't already, when I, 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 mean, I mean an unsaved, I don't mean Christian, I mean unsaved, unsaved, that you can pray for and you can work with and talk to. Maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member. By the way, don't buy, don't buy that stupid devilish lie that you can't win your own family. I know where that came from, but it's, it's not in the Bible. Andrew first found Peter, his brother, and said, we found him. All right? We found him. So the, the, the devil has all, so many of us fooled, and he lies to us, and we believe those lies. I think the two biggest lies are, I don't know what to say. I, I can't be a witness. Again, I said before, if you know the gospel, if you know how you got saved, you can tell somebody else how to get saved. And the second lie, you can't, you can't win your own family. That's a bunch of garbage, all right? In fact, in the scripture, oftentimes, that's who, who got it first. Andrew went and found Peter, and so on. Anyway, so um, so let's pray about this. I mean, let's, let's really sincerely and seriously. I mean, the word of God is going out, and the devil is fighting like crazy, to keep people away from the Word of God. I'll tell you, I don't know what the what, I don't know what the devil does around here on Sunday mornings, but I know he's got people just he's got people just bound up and chained up to all kinds of things. Just today, um, you know, kids couldn't come to Sunday school because they're going to a baby shower this afternoon. Are you kidding me? We're done at noonish. <laughs> I get that just blows my mind. You're you're coming to our birthday party at five. <laughs> like. How much time does it take to prepare? <laughs> anyway, but I mean, it's, I, I would love to know. I'd love to see. I'd love to just watch the devil and his demons working around this area. Something, I mean, people are hearing the word by the dozens. I'm serious about that. I mean, almost every week, I personally have a chance to speak to multiple people. 
but the, there's, a, there's a hope. And, you know, and Jesus said, you know, we talked about Anna fasting and praying. You know, Jesus said, this kind cannot come forth but by prayer and fasting. The devil's got a hold of this town. He's got a hold of Hopany and he's got a hold of Lisaville and Lewiston and Knoxon and everywhere. Titanic, he's got a hold of it. And only there's only one thing that can break his power. That's the gospel. I was talking to a pastor this week, and we were kind of, in fact, it was Pastor Skeens, and we were marveling together about the, the church at Corinth, full of problems. And finally, Paul just did all this stuff, and he said, you know what? I just need to give you the gospel again. I mean, Christians need a good dose of the gospel to remember what's important in this world. So may God help us. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he was willing to come to earth. And I tell you, Father in heaven, um, this, 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 these few weeks in the book of Luke has been to me like heaven and earth. I can't wait to get to the study every week and just go over these marvelous, marvelous truths of the word of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help the folks here to catch the spirit, catch the fire. However, you want, however we would term that. And just, Lord, I guess what I want to say is revive us. Get us out of the doldrums, the lukewarmness, the indifference. Just help us to see souls, Father, who are on, on the road to hell. Lord God, help us to do our part. Because you have promised that thy word will not return void. And it's going to cause, it's going to produce the things that I would have it to do. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to thee, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before we um, go into the observance of the Lord's table, uh, let's take our hymn books, and we're going to sing a verse or two of a, of a hymn. Um, hymn number 88. All right, hymn number 88. Okay, hymn number 88, let's stand, please. In fact, we, we heard, we've been reminded today of the shepherds, and so let's start here at hymn number 88. Let's start, let's sing verses 3, 4, and 5, shall we? 3, 4, and 5 of In a Cave. Born to you in David's city is your Lord and King. So when angels meet the shepherds hope and joy it brings. Noel, 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 rain throughout the sky. Noel, 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 praise to God on high, leaving resting flocks behind them, sought their fold. 
for those that, could, that sang parts. And so, um, reminder of the meaning of the Lord's table. Um, this is after, this was during the Passover. And Jesus was turning the disciples' attention away from the events in Egypt that were so well known and turning their, their attention to him. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so that's what the Lord Jesus is talking about here. And so I'll read these words and, and listen, please. And these are very familiar, but very important. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And so, you know, there are three things that we remember in the Lord's table. We remember his broken body. The little wafer reminds us of that. Um, we, we remember his shed blood, um, which the, the juice represents that. And then Jesus said one more thing, or Paul said one more thing. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death 
until he come. And Jesus expressed that by saying, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I believe the scripture indicates quite clearly that that's referring to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That the marriage of the Lamb takes place in heaven. The marriage supper takes place on earth. It is really that, that which institutes or brings about the, the uh, kingdom of Christ on earth. And that's what Jesus said. I'm not going to drink again until that day in the kingdom. And of course, what a day what a day that will be. You know, the Apostle Paul reminds us to examine ourselves, and we're going to do that. We're going to go to a time of quiet prayer and self-examination. Examine your hearts. And if the Lord brings sins to your attention that have not been confessed, then, then you ought to do that in the quietness of your own heart. And also just thank God, thank Christ for what he's done for us. All right, let's go to prayer. While we're still valid for prayer, Brother Don, uh, Don, would you lead us in prayer for the table? disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. scripture says they sung a hymn. So let's take our hymn books. Let's stand please. And one of the most precious heart-stirring hymns in our hymn book, number 112, Blessed Redeemer. Let's stand please. And I'll remind you that in, in the back there, next to where Bruce is, there is a plate for the deacon's love offering. Appreciate your giving to that, and we're, it's been used.
tremendously to help folks. Um, so let's sing all three verses that will be dismissed. Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, was Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's street, wounded deep in pain for sinners' wooden, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Father, forgive them, thus did he pray. E'en while his life bled, flowed fast away, praying for sinners while in such woe. No one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find end? Through years unnumbered on heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, Seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding.
really met with us today, and uh, thank you for coming. You are dismissed. Have a great afternoon.